the Lord deals with what appears to be imitation sheep. These are not wolves in sheep's clothing coming in to, to kill the flock. These are people who are deluded or mistaken in their identity. So Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. I'd like you to look again at Psalm 100. And I'd like you to look, please, at verse number 3. Psalm 100 and verse number 3. Let's read that out loud together. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So you see here, this verse tells us that God has made us, and not we ourselves. We didn't make ourselves to be sheep, but God made us to be his sheep. In the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the, the great shepherd, right? We are his sheep. Um, but did you know that there are unsaved people who try to imitate God's people? Did you know that? Those of us who are saved, born again into God's family, we are likened unto God's sheep. And there's a number of reasons for that as well. God just didn't kind of, you know, pick a name or something and, all right, I don't know what else to call you, I'll call you sheep. That's not it. There was a lot of, um, there's reasons behind why God did that. <clears throat> but there are unsaved people who try to imitate us, who try to imitate that they are saved people, God's people, when in reality they're not. And it's something like these people that we saw in the last video clip. They dress up like sheep and they walk around and behave like sheep and they sometimes sound like sheep but they're not sheep they're not real sheep you all know knew that right when you watch that that third little video i hope especially that first one i hope you boy if he fooled you oh man we need to sit down together but um, uh, they were all just imitations of the real thing and likewise we who are saved, we're, li we're likened unto God's sheep. And there are unsaved people who try to imitate us. They try to imitate a sheep. They try to imitate being saved, being part of God's family. And so they'll dress up like sheep. They try to imitate the sounds that sheep make, but they are not real sheep. Now, some of these unsaved people are actually very, very skilled, very good imitators so that they might even fool us. That we would look at that man or that woman and we would think, well, they seem to be saved. They talk like a saved person. They seem to have the interests of a saved person. They must be saved. When God can see their heart, God is the one who knows for sure who is saved and who is not saved. He knows that for sure. Now God tells us in the scriptures how to be saved. And if we will do it God's way, we will be born again. And there will be lasting fruit. I read um, today in the, um, the news, I saw a little news clip in, in one of the Christian news sites that I visit. 
And it was about a young lady who came out of the um, adult pornographic film industry. She was one of those actresses, you know. And she married, she claimed to have a born-again experience. She married a um, um, Pentecostal fellow. And the two of them went in the ministry as Pentecostal pastors, he and she. And this lasted for a, a few years. And then finally she divorced the guy. And now she's going back to the porn uh, movie industry. But she says, this time I'm going as a Christian. Now what's wrong with that picture? In the Bible, it says that the dog is returned to its vomit. The dog never, never underwent a, a, a real heart change. The idea is that when you retch something up, you know, you don't go back to it. And so there's been a lot of people do that. In the entertainment industry, they've seen a lot of people do that. Uh, Bob Dylan, I think, was, boy, he was a real crazy character. And his music and his uh, words of his songs, they were so hard to understand. And so then he claimed to be a born again. Now, he was a Jewish man. He claimed to be born again Christian. And his music after he was born again was no different than his music before he was born again. There didn't seem to be any difference at all. And then finally, he gave up all of the born again stuff and went back to being a nothing. John Lennon of the Beatles at one point claimed to, to, to be a born again Christian. And then he turned his back on it and called himself a born again atheist. There's a lot of people who make a, a rush profession but then they don't last, do they? At some point, they just seem to turn and walk away. And so these people, for the, the greater part, imitation sheep, we're going to call them, imitation sheep. For the greater part, they're not a threat to the church. They're not like they're coming in to, to cause bodily harm. It's not like they're wolves dressed up in sheep's clothing. That's another subject I might deal with that next Wednesday. Um, wolves, they want to come and kill a flock is what they want to do. And they want, they're after our blood is what they, they're after. But imitation sheep, by and large, are not a threat like this. Instead, these people generally are just deluded or a case of a mistaken identity. Uh, sometimes uh, it's just wishful thinking on their part. Now, let's go to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew. And we'll go to Matthew chapter 7. The Lord Jesus sort of deals with this concept here in Matthew chapter 7. Verses 21 to 23. The Lord deals with what appears to be imitation sheep. These are not wolves in sheep's clothing coming in to, to kill the flock. These are people who are deluded or mistaken in their identity. So Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Um, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied, that means like to preach, prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. 
And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And so here we have sort of a, a description, if you will, of imitation sheep. Men, women, maybe some young people who perhaps have made a, a profession of faith. Maybe they even said the words to the sinner's prayer. Maybe someone led them in a prayer and they said the words. And then afterwards they thought, well, that, that was easy. I guess I'm part of God's family now. And so the imitation really began. Or maybe they just really liked what they saw on the uh, website broadcasts or they, they liked what they saw in other churches. Whatever, they come into a church and they start behaving as if they're a Christian. They've learned the lingo. Sometimes this happens with young people that grow up in Christian homes. Their mom and dad are saved, love the Lord, and so growing up they learn the lingo. They learn how to walk and talk like a Christian. But in their heart, they're not really saved. They, they're just imitating, imitation sheep. And as I say, for the most part, they're not a threat to the church. Not like a wolf in a sheep's clothing might be a threat. So these are, are not God's people. They just think they're God's people. Now back in 2018, there was an interesting story on the YouTube about a um, miniature donkey. And they called him Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim, the miniature donkey. You can look this up when you get home. Don't look it up now. Now, Tiny Tim, when he was born, was less than 10 pounds at birth. Normally, a donkey is 50 to 60 pounds at birth. And this little guy was 10 pounds. And the veterinarian didn't even think that the donkey was going to live. And so its owner, Mrs. Jody Topping, she decided she would take Tiny Tim into her home. They had a little bit of a farm. And so she decided she was going to give this little guy every fighting chance possible. And she was going to bottle feed the, the little guy. And she was going to bring up Tiny Tim in her house along with the family and the family dog. She was going to bring up Tiny Tim in her house. And this is what she did. And Tiny Tim actually lived. Tiny Tim is a miniature donkey. And today, Tiny Tim thinks he's a dog. Tiny Tim doesn't think he's a donkey. Tiny Tim thinks he's a dog. You might ask why. It's because he behaves just like the family dog. Somehow, I guess Tiny Tim must have realized that uh, uh, most of the people in the home walk around on two legs, but here's something on four legs just like himself. So they must be related. And so Tiny Tim... He, uh, he does things that a dog will do. He wags his tail like a dog. Donkeys don't normally do that. But Tiny Tim can wag his tail like a dog. Tiny Tim licks the dishes out of the dishwasher while mom is putting the, the dishes in there. Dogs will sometimes do that. Tiny Tim drinks out of the toilet bowl, which is something dogs have been known to do. Um, Tiny Tim will play fetch with a ball. Just like a dog will play fetch with a ball. There's all sorts of things that Tiny Tim will do. And it's cute. But in reality, Tiny Tim is not a dog. 
He just thinks that he's a dog. Hmm? And there are people who attend Bible-believing, gospel-preaching churches, and they think that they are God's sheep. But in reality, they are not. They just act like Christians. And most of these people, or these actors, well, we can discern they're not saved. Most of the time, they'll come in our church, and we'll get to know them, and we'll, we'll soon realize something's not quite right here. This person isn't quite like us. This person is not saved. Most of the time we can discern that. But sometimes these people are such good imitations. And I'd like to suggest, especially if they've grown up in a Christian home where mom and dad are saved <clears throat> and they have learned how to uh, act the act. Sometimes they've even made profession of faith as youngsters. But as they get older, they themselves, they know they're not saved. But they still act like they're saved. Um, most of the time we can tell. But sometimes we can't even tell. Only the Lord can tell. Uh, however, as I say, these people, by and large, are not a threat. They're not trying to destroy the church. So they're not a threat to the church. But we should do everything we can in our power to try and help people to see if they're saved or not. Now, over the years of our church, we're coming up on 22. 22 years of age, our church. Uh, October 17th will be our church birthday, and we're planning a wonderful day. And we have a great first-class guest preacher coming in. And we've got uh, gifts, and uh, we've got special music. Oh, it's going to be great with decorations and lots of food and things, lots of fun. 22 years of God's goodness to us. So, um, in those 22 years, we have seen, um, I, I, I'll, I'll say a number, a number of uh, men and women who've come to our church, who've said or given the impression that they're saved, but very quickly we could see they're not saved. They were nice people, they were religious people, they, they knew the lingo, but they weren't saved. And what happens? Well, either it seems they, they will stay and get saved, get genuinely saved, or they will end up leaving the church. Now, for this reason, we, uh, we want to be very careful. Uh, turn, please, to 1 Timothy chapter 5, and I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Now, Paul wrote to Timothy a lot of good pastoral wisdom. And he gave a principle in chapter 5 and verse number 22. And you'll notice that he wrote, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins, keep thyself pure. And the principle here is not to be too quick to put people into office, in the church. Well, we need a Sunday school teacher. Well, here, this guy, he's only been with us a week, but he says he's a good teacher. We'll put him in. Hmm. 
that could end up being your, your last famous last words there. Um, you want to be very careful. And so for years, uh, maybe most of our 22 years, maybe we've made a mistake along the way, but I'd like to think most of our 22 years, we're not quick to baptize people. When uh, someone says, well, I want to be baptized, I want to be baptized. Oh, you do? Oh, okay, well, let's just hurry you right along and baptize you. Um, we don't want to go down that road. We want to see a little and make sure that the person is saved. I, I read a story, and I'm, <clears throat> I can't tell you if it's 100% true. Years ago I read it, and I've since tried to refine the story, and I can't seem to find it. But uh, back in the 1980s, in New York City, there was a, a crazy killer, and he would kill people and leave notes taunting the uh, police, mocking the police. And so he identified himself as Son of Sam. Son of Sam. Well, they finally caught the guy. His name was David Berkowitz. And he did a stint in the uh, military. And then he was out and he bounced around a bit. But the story I read was that he attended um, a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church, made a profession of faith, and they baptized him right away. And so everyone was rejoicing that this guy was a, a Christian. It wasn't too long that he left that church, ended up in New York, and shortly thereafter started his murder spree. That guy wasn't a born-again Christian. And so, um, again, you know, I can't verify for you. I read this story years ago, and then just recently, in preparing for this message, I tried to find that story again, and I couldn't find it. So I stand to be corrected if it's not true. But in principle, this kind of thing happens, where someone uh, makes a, a profession of faith, and they get baptized right away. What ends up happening sometimes is they, they'll leave the church, they'll fall away from the faith, they'll get involved with horrible sin, or they'll come to the pastor and they'll say, you know, I don't think I'm even saved. Oh, we just baptized you. Yeah, I know. And so we lead them in the sinner's prayer again. How do you think you're saved? Yeah, okay, well, we've got to rebaptize you now. And you see a problem with this? So 1 Timothy 5 and 22 gives us good advice. Lay hands suddenly on no man. In Proverbs, in fact, in Proverbs 22.3, it says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. Um, but the simple pass on and are punished. And so just because someone comes in and says, I'm a born-again Christian, I want to get baptized, doesn't mean that was, oh, right this way, here's your, uh, your gown and your towel and your floppy slippers and, and we'll get you baptized uh, lickety-split. Doesn't work that way. We stand before God. We give answer to God for our ministry. And so we want to give the best account possible. Now, we're not going to make somebody wait 10 years before we baptize them. But we want to get to know them. Even in our Constitution doctrinal statement, we don't take people into membership right away. We, we say that we want to wait a minimum of four weeks so that we can get to know them. Now, if they only come once in those four weeks, well, I'm sorry, we're not going to take them into membership. We want to see them come, you know, to multiple services over four weeks. We want to get to know them. And in a month's time, usually we can de determine or discern if someone is sincere in their heart. 
And if we're still not sure, then we just wait another four weeks. Not a problem. But we want to avoid picking unripe fruit. We want to avoid baptizing unsaved people. We want to avoid the mistake of saying, well, this person is saved because they walk and they talk like a saved person, but in their heart they're not saved. They're imitation sheep is what they are. Now, there's no reason to expel imitation sheep out of the church if they're not doing any harm. If they start harming, they start saying things they shouldn't or trying to coerce people or make to themselves disciples or something, then we'll have to deal with that. But generally, that's not the case with imitation sheep. Generally, they just come and they go and they come and they go and they tend to be no threat to the church. And so there's no reason to expel them out of the church. I mean, really, when you think of it, uh, where else can an imitation sheep go if not to church? So the church is a good place, especially if they're hearing the gospel. Especially also if we're encouraging people to examine themselves. Now let's take a look at that, shall we? In 2 Corinthians chapter 13. So turn back to the left. 2 Corinthians chapter number 13. Now verse 5 gives us assurance that we can be saved and know it. We can actually know for sure for on God's authority that we are saved. So verse 5 says, Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. That means look at your life, look at your heart, look at your thoughts, look at your actions. Prove your own selves. Know ye not? your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you. Watch this, except ye be reprobates. So basically what he's saying is Christ is either in you or he's not in you. If he's in you, you're saved. And then he uses the word reprobate if you're not saved. So it's important that we know ourselves that we're saved. And of course, we can know that. Uh, the book of First John he says in chapter 5, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. So we can know for sure, but we need to do some self-examination. And that's what the book of 1 John is all about. There are at least seven or eight good tests of new life in the book of 1 John. Many years ago, I knew a, a Christian fellow and... You know, he was always up and down and up and down in his Christian life. And, and he said to me once, uh, I think the two of us were driving someplace in the car, and he said to me, I just wish that there was some council of godly men that could examine me and determine once and for all if I'm saved or if I'm not saved. And that's what he said to me. And the truth is, any Christian can know for sure, if they're saved by studying 1 John. Now, this, this guy's problem was that he, he wasn't studying the Scriptures. Uh, he'd read a little here, a little there. He'd read a book here, a book there. But he, wasn't, he was missing the boat. If he had taken the book of 1 John and gone through the five chapters with a fine-tooth comb 
and look for the tests of new life and perform them on himself, he would know if he's saved. And personally, I think he was saved. I don't think he was unsaved because he really seemed to have a heart for the Lord all his life. So I think he was saved, but he was just a yo-yo, I'm sorry to say, up and down and up and down. You know, if a Christian is lazy, doesn't want to study, study to show thyself approved unto God. A Christian is lazy, they don't want to study the Bible. Well, then they're never going to know for sure. Am I saved? Am I lost? Am I saved? Am I, oh, I better pray the sinner's prayer again. I better... No, that's not the answer. The answer is to study the book of 1 John, the five chapters, and you'll see in there all of the necessary tests, tests of new life. You've heard me say this before. If you walked into a room and there was your loved one flat on the floor, face down or something, that would be a shock. But your first question, if they weren't moving, they weren't stirring, are they okay? Are they even alive? And so you could perform certain tests to determine if they're alive or not. I got an aquarium at home and I got this frog. He's an old frog. I'm thinking of calling him Jeremiah. Jeremiah the bullfrog. And aquatic frogs, little freshwater aquatic frogs, they breathe air where they gulp it in, they go down to the bottom, they stay there a long time. But eventually, you know, they got to go up for more air. And this guy, he, he's fooling me, he's old. And he's hanging around the top of the tank, you know, and the other day he was upside down, and I thought, well, that's it, Jeremiah's bit the, the big one there. And I got this long stick, and I go in and I, I poke his foot, you know, and, oh, he, he moves, okay. It's not his time, his hour has not come. <laughs> so I... Throw in a little more food for him. But one day, I'm going to poke him and he's not going to move. And so I'm going to have to go and really move him and see if there's any life left in him. I've, uh, I've had a few frogs die on me. They get old and they die. But if you came in the room and your loved one was face down, right away you'd call their name. Are you okay? And there's no response. And so, okay, they fail that test. And so then you may try another test and you may go in and shake them and see if they'll, if they'll move. That's what I do to, to the frog. And maybe they fail that test. Well, it still doesn't mean they're dead. They could be in a coma, still alive, but very unresponsive, right? These are the tests of physical life. Well, the book of 1 John gives us the tests of spiritual life. And so we need to perform these on ourselves so that we know we know we're saved because we have the evidence of new life in Christ. The evidence of spiritual life is there. If a Christian is living his or her life away from God, not reading the Bible, not praying, but living in the world, they're always going to have confusion and question marks. Am I really saved? Am I lost? Am I saved? What am I? Oh, I'm so confused, I'm scared. That's why Christians need to walk with the Lord. We need to walk with the shepherd of our souls and he will give us the assurance of our salvation. Do you understand that? That's very simple, isn't it? We're talking tonight about imitation sheep. We're not talking about confused sheep. We're talking about no sheep that think they're sheep. And we need to do everything in our strength, everything in our power to help people who might think they're part of God's family, but we know they're not. We need to pray for them. We need to encourage them. We need to get them reading the Bible is what we need to do. 
and pray and encourage them that God will open the eyes of their understanding and that they will realize I'm, I'm not saved and that they'll get saved before it's too late. Amen? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.